and, and a, a phrase just jumped out at me, and I would like to just to, to take that this morning as a text, and it's usually an Easter-type text because it's the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem for the last time. I mean, he's lived his life of 33 years. He's down to the last seven days, and he will come to Jerusalem his last time. He'll come differently. Uh, in other words, he's going out in his death as strange as he came in his birth that we celebrated last week. I told you in John chapter 1 that he said, I was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world didn't know him. And he came to his own people, and his own people did not receive him. And even though he was the long-prophesied and the long-awaited Messiah, uh, he would come to take upon him the sins of the world, the weight of the world, and become the supreme sacrifice that you and I might be able to stand again in the presence of his Father. Amen? That we might be able to stand in front of God. And he's down to the last week of his life, and he's going to Jerusalem for the last time, and he comes in in a strange way. And that's kind of where I'd like to pick it up in Mark chapter 11. And in Mark chapter 11, I actually, I'm going to read it from the King James. So if, if you can put the King James up there. And, and forgive me, because I know King James is wonderful, but it was done in 1611, and they talk about thou and thine and ye and wouldest and couldest and shouldest. And we just don't talk like that anymore. Wouldst thou come to church with me? We don't, we don't talk like that no more. And so we're not disrespecting. I just normally use the new King James. It just says would, could, and should. And you instead of ye and that, you know, uh, so on and so forth. But uh, today I, I want to just hearken back, if I may, to uh, the King's English for a moment because he said something in a way that just really struck where I'm going. It doesn't change the, the word one bit. And when they came nigh to Jerusalem unto Bethphage and to Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, he sendeth forth two of his disciples, and he saith unto them, Go your way into the village over against you, and as soon as you be entered into it, you shall find a colt tied, whereon never man sat. Loose him and bring him. And if any man say unto you, Why do you do this? Say, The Lord hath need of him, and straightway he will send him hither. And they went their way, and they found the colt tied by the door without, in other words, on the outside, in a place where two ways met, and they loose him. And certain of them that stood there said unto them, Why do ye, uh, what do ye, loosing the colt? And they said unto them, Even as Jesus had commanded, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and casting their garments on him, and he sat upon him. And many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches off the trees and strawed them in the way. And they went before, and they that followed cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus entered into Jerusalem and into the temple. And when he looked around about upon those things, and now the eventide was come, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. And um, I want to tell you that 
you and I are, I'm not saying we're in the week before Jesus died. I, that would be foolish to say. But I want to use that week before he died and in that place where he sent these disciples. First of all, we don't really know which two he sent. But he sends them to this place where two ways met. Sort of a fork in the road, if you will. And he tells them that there's going to be a colt tied there. And he said, I want you to unloose him. Now, I want you to get something with me. First of all, this that I've already read where when they got back with the colt, they took their jackets off or their clothes or their outer garments and they laid them in the road on the front side of the colt and on the back side and they took, cut down palm branches and they waved them and said, Hosanna in the highest and blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, last week, since we were talking about the fulfillment of prophecy, I want you to know that all the gospel writers recorded this fulfillment of Zechariah chapter 9 in verse 9. When Zechariah looked down through the annals of time and he saw Jesus making his triumphal entry into Jerusalem the last time where he would go and sacrifice himself. Please don't misunderstand. Rome did not take his life. Jesus said, no one has took my life. I laid it down and I will take it up again. Oh, we'll talk about that on Easter now. We'll have a good time. But he said in Zechariah 9 and 9, rejoice greatly. O daughter of Zion, shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation. Watch this. Lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a coat, the foal of an ass. Now, they, they wouldn't understand this. But they didn't understand it 33 years ago when he was laid in a manger and wrapped in swaddling clothes. Because 33 years ago, he did not come as they thought he would come, packaged the way he thought, or they thought rather, he should come. That's why John said he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world did not know him. And he came unto his own people, the Jews, and they rejected him. And, and I told you last week that if you and I are not careful, we will miss our day of visitation from the Lord because he's choosing to do something in a way in which we have not seen before, packaged in a way that we've never understood and we've never comprehended. And so we just write it off. And if we're not careful, we will miss the next thing that God is about to do. I'm going to tell you today, we stand on this intersection where 2017 now meets 2018. And what God did this year, we thank him for it and we praise him for it and we, we laud praises upon him, but that is gone. And the only reason we ought to look back at history really is not to mourn our failures, but in, in a memorial to look back and say, thank God he brought me through that. Amen. Thank God I'm no longer what I used to be. Thank God he helped me get through that. And so, but I want to point out some things that just really stick to me about this little narrative that I have just read to you. First of all, we're going to see Jesus who is loved as a friend. He is revered as a teacher. He is a He's followed as a worker of miracles and great happenings. And finally, he 
sort of declares in a quiet way and in a humble way his kingly authority. It's amazing because if the church world, the Pharisees of that day and, and those religious of that day, had they studied the scrolls as they claimed to and has they, had they been in tune with God as they claimed to have been, they would have saw it. They would have saw all the prophecies of him coming that we talked about last week, and then they would have recognized as he come into Jerusalem for the last time. And before he goes to Jerusalem, think about this. He's lived his life. It, it's now all but over. He's one week from crucifixion. And he tells his disciples, he said, I want two of you to go into town over there on the opposite side of where you're standing. And when you get there, he said, you're going to go to a place where two roads meet. And he said, there's going to be a colt tied on the outside. I want you to go and get him and bring him to me. Now, I want you to understand something. God at this intersection is going to ask you to do some things that you're probably not comfortable doing. Now, I want you to notice that Jesus did not say, go and ask them, can you take him? He didn't say, go ask for permission. He didn't send a letter and say, tell them that this guy, no, no, he said, just go and untie him and bring him. He said, and if they do ask you and anybody says anything, just say the master needs him or the Lord needs him. So it's amazing to me as I look at this, first of all, I believe Jesus at this intersection, at this crossroad is going to, to require of us absolute obedience. See, we won't obey God as long as it's comfortable. As long as he don't ask too much time off my calendar. As long as he don't ask for too much of a monetary gift. As long as he don't you know, ask me too much mentoring or too much schooling or too much serving. I'll obey just as long as I can just you know, have a good mental assent to doing the things of God and discipleship. And I'm happy. But Jesus in his, at this crossroads is asking for absolute and even unquestioned obedience. And let me ask you, how many of us have just said, okay, God, with unquestioned and absolute obedience and abandon, I'm just going to dive head first into what you want me to do. I would say that most of us are like the fellow who come to Jesus and said, Lord, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. Huh? But Jesus is asking, I believe, for complete obedience. They were not to ask, but they were just to take it. Now think about it. There's a couple of scenarios. If, in fact, Jesus knew the guy that owned the colt, some scholars say they think, well, maybe he knew him and the disciples didn't, so he could just tell them, you know, hey, if they say anything to you, just tell them the Lord needs him and he'll send him. Okay, well, that, that's plausible. However, when I read further down, I find that it wasn't really the owner that said anything, but it was all the people standing around said, hey, what are y'all doing? Why are you untying this coat? Obviously, it don't belong to you. And they didn't tell one guy who might have known Jesus. They told the, the group there. They said, the Lord needs him. Well, okay. All right. And I believe that God is looking for people 
that with that kind of reckless abandon will say, well, God sent me here, and I'm just going to go. Now, it's a scary thing. Don't get me wrong. An overseer one time told me, he said, you can't say it's scary anymore. I want you to say it's exciting. And boy, is it. But, but see, we're not accustomed to, to uh, obedience without question. Because how many of you growing up, you, your dad told you to do something or your mom said to do something, and you said, but why? And they said, because I said so. Right? And you didn't ask too many more times, right? Because they would show you why or give you something to cry about. Isn't that the way it was? So... So, but, but in our homes, if we're not careful, our, our children want to know, well, why do I have to do my chores? Or why do I have to be home at such and such time? Or why this? And, and then they expect you to give a, uh, a defense of your decision making. And if we're not careful, we turn to Jesus and we want him to defend why he's telling us to do certain things as if we're the master and he's the servant. And, and so he's just simply saying, I want your complete abandon. I want your complete obedience to follow me even without question, just to know that I've got this. You know, uh, well, who was that that's saying, I don't need to understand, I just need to hold his hand. And that's the kind of abandon he wants, but we live in a society that's not really all about that anymore. But as a king, not only did he require uh, um, obedience, even unquestioned obedience and abandon, he claims to use all that he, he's required. In other words, he claims everything is his. In other words, that suburban you've got, it's not really yours, it's his. That coat you've got, not really yours. That motel you own, it's not really yours, it's his. That farm you have, not yours. That skateboard, bicycle, that tent, whatever it is. It's, none of these things are mine. It is in him that I live and move and have my being. And so we see him doing something right here. We, we see him making a statement. He said, I want you to find that colt over there where two places meet. And I want you to just grab him. In other words, he's showing what an assumption of authority here. It's amazing that he don't have a colt, but yet there's a colt there. It's amazing that he would say things in his life like foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has not a place to lay his head, but yet he owned the world. God said, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What house can you build to contain me? And I think about Jesus. It's such a paradox, it seems to say. He has nothing. He, everything he had in his life, he borrowed. Amen? He borrowed a boat that he might go out and speak. He borrowed a boy's lunch and then gave him back 12 baskets. You know, he borrowed a tomb, or they borrowed one when he was uh, uh, dead because he didn't plan to need it very long, only three days. But he borrowed, he borrowed, he borrowed. Some of y'all kin to Jesus. But, oh, anyway, I just. <laughs> Having nothing yet possessing everything. You see, we are to trust him with everything. We are to trust Jesus. Now, let me ask you this. How many of you trust Jesus with everything? Oh, yes, I trust him with everything. All right, do you trust him with your possessions? All of them. If you lost everything tomorrow, would you backslide? 
If you lost everything, would you blame God and quit? I mean, with our possessions, with my clothes, with my money, with my animals, with my reputation, with my life, and with my future. I am who I am because of him. You know, and I've made some pretty drastic moves in my life, amen, two of which really stand out to me when I went to Claxton, Georgia, and when I went to Kingsland, Georgia. Two of those things scared me to death. Matter of fact, there was really a third one when I got out of Uncle Sam's Air Force and went on staff at a church for the pledge of $984 a month with two children. The church was gracious and said, we'll guarantee you $1,200 a month. But I want to tell you something. Every time I took a leap of faith to do what God instructed me to do, he always moved me forward, and he always pulled me upward. And I am what I am today, and we have what we have today because God has blessed and it is not who I am or who you are or that we are favored in any way. But I believe God blesses obedience. The Bible said he would refer or he would prefer your obedience rather than your sacrifice. So he requires absolute obedience. And then he requires the use of everything we have. That means even you. There are those who would give you the shirt off their back but ain't got time for you. I like what Pastor Josh said a moment ago about a spoon is for eating and a ladle is for serving. Man, I would to God that in 2018 we would pick up the ladle. Now, I know we got to eat. Don't get me wrong. But I would to God that we would pick up the ladle and serve. Because I'll tell you this, you'll never out. You've heard me say you'll never outgive God. Let me say this, you'll never outserve him either. About the time you think you've let him have everything you are, about the time you've turned loose your last possession, about the time everything is gone, it'll have one of those Job moments where he replenishes everything you lost, where he restores everything the canker worm ate, where he brings back all that that you gave away and then some. It's amazing. So, um, so if we have to give up some luxury, if we have to go the extra mile, just know that the Lord needs them. Huh? If you've got to give away some of your toys because you've got too many, just know the Lord needs them for somebody else. If you've got to give away some clothes, you've got to give away some food, the Lord hath need of them. So let me try to, as I run back through this, this story, he says, go over there to this place where two roads meet, and there'll be a colt tied there, and I want you to get this colt where on Never a man sat. Now, not only do I see uh, some powerful things here, not only do I see the, the obedience without question, not only do I see the foreknowledge of Jesus about a colt being there and that an owner would be okay with it as long as he said just send him because the Lord needs him, all of a sudden now I see the sovereignty of the Lord. How many of you ever rode a colt in a parade or a procession, procession that ain't never been sat on? Don't usually go down like that. Huh? Because I done seen some that was tried to be saddled up for the first time. I done seen some they tried to throw the blanket on for the first time. 
And man, they were in no way, shape, or form ready to walk down the road with somebody on their back. But the sovereign Lord says there's a colt tied over there where two places meet, two roads come together. And it's the last week of my life, and I need that colt. And I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something different. At this fork in the road right here, I'm going to do something a little bit different. I want to tell you something. God's going to do something a little different in 2018. Be a little bit different than you're used to. A little bit different than the way mom or grandma done it. A little bit different than you might even like. But I'll tell you something. Different is okay as long as it's God's different. He says, but bring him to me, and I'm going to ride into Jerusalem for the last time on a colt that has never been sat on. And I'm going to tell you, in 2018, we're going to launch some ministries that had never been ridden before, some things that we never tried before, some things we never, and you might say, you might be like one of the disciples, and the, and the boss, I don't know, man, if you want to jump up on that colt or not. This thing liable to get crazy, huh? I, I remember when AJ was a baby, uh, I was at a friend of mine's house. He owned 276 acres in Bullock County. He was a city marshal over there, and he's gone on to be with the Lord now. But he used to raise I mean, horses and goats, and uh, he, he had this uh, young, well, I don't know if it was a young horse, but it was a quarter horse, 15 and a half hands, I mean, big, uh, big horse. And he had sent her to school to pull a buggy. She had been to school now for, I don't know, a month or six weeks, and come back, and he's ready now to take me and Kelly and the babies, Adam and Carly, you know, and then AJ being four years younger than Carly, so we got the baby too. So we all get on the buggy. Are y'all ready? And we're about to go down this country roads in Bullock County there, and uh, just take a little joyful ride on this Saturday evening. And as we get out there, I'm convinced this horse had been to school and knew how to pull. But there's a leather strap that goes right around the hames, you know, the hames that come around their neck and help them pull that load. That piece of leather broke. And when that piece of leather broke, the hames opened up because they open up like that. It's a yoke that goes around them. It opened up, and then it skipped over her neck and over that blanket and come down around the back of her about right here. And I guess she thought she was about to be tied. And me and Kelly and Adam and Carly took us a ride. <laughs> Amen. I mean, she just went to yin and yin. And I mean, she's putting them paws up. I mean, man, it is something serious. I'm in the front seat, and, and, and fear has just about paralyzed me at that time. Ray, Brother Ray jumped off, and there he is standing over there, and I took A.J., my newborn baby, and just threw him to Ray. And he caught him. How in the world he got this horse calmed down, I do not know. But after it seemed like five minutes, it probably wasn't 30 seconds, he finally got this horse calmed down, and me and Kelly and Adam and Carly, we made our exit, and we got off there, and we said, whoo-hoo, thank God. So now I'm talking about, we're talking about a horse done been to school. But now we have a colt whereon never a man has sat. And Jesus said, bring that one to me. And if that don't show you the sovereignty of the Lord,
to be able to say, help me, John, I'm going to get up here on this colt and I'm going to ride into Jerusalem for the last time. So we see now the spiritual rule of Jesus. You see, things were different for him. Things were different because, you know, his uh, kingdom was inaugurated by what would happen next week. Here's what I want you to understand. You know, he's at this crossroad, and, and you and I, I believe, are here too with the closing of the one year and the opening of the new year. And, and I believe God wants to do some brand new things for us. And just like this brand new coat, and this, you know, it's never been done before. We're going to do it this way. And they begin to cut down branches. Here's what I think we ought to do we ought to welcome that new thing like they did. They took their outer clothes off and they laid them down. And here comes Jesus riding on a new colt, never been sat on before, riding. And people began to line the streets and say, Hosanna, and blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But I want to show you how fickle people are. Some of the same people that grabbed a palm branch and waved it and said, Hosanna, and blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, fulfilling Zechariah 9 and 9. Some of the same people stood at Pilate's praetorium. And Pilate said, what shall I do with Jesus? And they said, away with him. Away with him. What shall I do? I have found no fault in him. What evil has he done? Crucify him. Crucify him. And some of the same people that cried, Hosanna, and blessed be the name of the Lord. A week later, stood at Pilate's praetorium and said, let his blood be upon us and on our children. How many of you know what the Bible says? God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth that shall he also reap. It was Jews that day that stood at Pilate's praetorium and said, let his blood be upon us and upon our children. How many Jews did Hitler exterminate? Six million Jews. You may say that doesn't have anything to do with them at Pilate's praetorium. I would beg to differ. But what amazed me is how do some people one week say, Hosanna, and blessed is he, and then a week later say, away with him, crucify him. I believe at this intersection that we find ourselves in today, 2017 is closing. We had some great times. There are some things you need to forget about it. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you got some bad memories. Don't dwell on them. There was never really a time where God told Israel to build a memorial about bad things. But when they crossed over the river, the Jordan, he said, build a memorial so that when your kids walk by and say, what does these stones mean? then you can rehearse it in their ears and you can tell them. Some of you are building memorials of dreadful, terrible things that happen to you. And you relive it and you relive it and you relive it. And I don't think God wants you to do that. I think he wants you to take with reckless abandon that same advice where he said, go over to that town opposite where you're at. You're going to find that colt tied. I don't know what that colt is for you. It might be God going to open up something in your life this year that's going to be unbelievable. I don't know but bring that, I've got need of him. I believe God wants to use us greater this year than ever before. But I don't want us to get stymied by the fact that God's got to do it the way he did five years ago or 10 years or 20 or 30. How many of you will say, Pastor, 
I'll ride that new colt. Whatever that is, God wants me to do. Would you stand with me? Right now, before, you, before we leave, I, I just want us to have a time of prayer. What a wonderful looking crowd of folks you are. I'm hoping those who left was able to come back because uh, we had a pile of them in the parking lot at 9 o'clock. They didn't realize we only had one service and it was at 10. But nonetheless, I want to pray for you right now because you know what? The devil would love nothing more than for you to be frustrated and throw your life away and say, you know what? I'm just going to be happy with, you know, the way it is. But I believe God's got something new for you. <clears throat> I don't know why I would preach such a message like this, the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Maybe it's because God wants us to march triumphantly into 2018. <clears throat> Maybe he wants us to go in there bold and with reckless abandon to say, I'm going to obey God this year and I'm going to do whatever he wants me to do. Just go ahead and brace yourself. I'm going to do everything I can do for the kingdom of God this year. Man, let me tell you, by this time next year, if the Lord tarries, it would amaze you what God will do in your life. Let us pray. Lord, if there's somebody here today, they're scared to death of that colt that is over at that place, tied up at a place where these two roads meet. They're worried to death about what is this new thing God might have me to do? We've never, we've never seen it like this. I mean, it's, it's different. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to a people, a God that says, I am God and beside me there's no other. I'm God and I change not methods and means and ways, but my word has been forever settled in heaven. It'll never pass away, not a jot or a tittle, but it'll all be fulfilled. So I pray right now, Lord, that we would embrace what you want to do with us this year. God, I pray that we would embrace a new thing. And Lord, that we would recognize the sovereignty of God to know what is best for my life, what is best for my family, what is best for my church. So I ask you in Jesus' name to give us the courage to follow with reckless abandon and full obedience in Jesus' name. Would you sing something for me, Adam? Would you just lift your hands and love him right now?